Welcome back, everybody, to the Things Christians Want to Know podcast. Notice I said want to know instead of want to know. Thank you. That was for your sake. That was, I'm trying to, trying to honor you, Paul yes. Anderson. Thank you, Nate Johnstone. <laughs> so we've been talking about the cross. Um, there's so much to talk about. It's such a great topic. And we could go on and on and on. We could, uh, uh, there probably are many podcasts dedicated specifically to this and only this. And it can certainly be done. So we ended last week with Jesus dying. John's recollection from John 1930. He said, it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit or gave up the ghost, so to speak. And he's dead. What? The earth goes silent and then it goes dark. Then strange things happen. It says many righteous people came out of their graves and appeared to folks. What is that about? There was an earthquake, I think. The temple veil in the Holy of Holies was torn in two. From top to bottom. From top to bottom, which is hard because it's really tall. That's a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what must Mary have felt in that moment? What, what must the other disciples of Jesus, the only disciples that are right there are the female disciples and John. Others are scattered around or too scared to come at all. We don't know for sure. We know Matthew and Peter were there. Somewhere watching, for sure. So what happened just now? Mm-hmm. That's got to be what they're thinking. They're got to be thinking, what just happened? The answer to that is so long and so wondrous that uh, we've been talking about it for 2,000 years. And we will continue talking about it even in heaven. Because one of the things that happens in heaven is we all sing, worthy is the lamb. Who was who was slain. slain. And that's what just happened. Jesus was the Passover lamb. He was slain. He was just slain for the sins of the world, for us. And that, so this is the most important thing in human history that has taken place. That's right. But what just happened? What happened? What does it mean? Why did it have to happen? Some pretty wonderful, powerful questions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty huge question. I, in my other office, mm-hmm. upstairs office, I have a crucifix. Mm-hmm. hanging over the door. Isn't that a Catholic thing, Paul? You know, I used to think so. And I asked my dad once, why do they have a cross with Jesus on it mm-hmm. and we don't? It's a good question. And he gave this as an answer, because we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Well, that doesn't say enough. He had good answers a lot of, lot of things, but this wasn't a good answer because they also believe that. Right. It's not like they don't believe that. Yeah. The reason I put it there is that I wanted to think about the cross Yeah. all the time, as often as I could. Why? Because what you say that was so significant, what he did to take away the guilt of sin, the shame of sin, the power of sin, mm-hmm. and the penalty of sin— He not only paid the penalty so that I wouldn't have to spend eternity without him, but he died to give me power over sin so that in this life, life, in this life, I could live free, that sin no longer will have a power over me, it says in Romans 6.14, I believe. So I want to think about that cross often. Mm -hmm. I want to thank Jesus for what he did, but then I'm going to take it a step farther. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Now, when Jesus used the word cross, they didn't smile and they said, oh, how precious. 
mm-hmm. because they weren't thinking of jewelry. They never, right. they would not have carried or worn a cross because it was grotesque. That'd be very morbid. It was it, morbid is, is, yeah, that's an easy, far worse than that. It was so dark and sinister and so ugly. And they had pictures of people outside the city being crucified and they went, ugh when they heard him say, take up his cross, because they knew exactly what that meant. And it's also a reminder of the Roman oppression. Mm-hmm. It's a reminder of the fact that we, things are not fair. Things are not right. This isn't a good thing. This is an evil occupying government lording it over us and killing our people. I mean, there's, there's a lot of bad things about the cross from a first century mental framework, especially for a Jew living in Jerusalem. And so while we're a little hard on Peter mm-hmm. for his response, mm-hmm. where would we have been if we had heard Jesus talking about a cross, him going to the cross? For him, that was a kind thing to say. Yeah, Peter was not. This will never happen to you. He took him aside, actually. It, it, he took him aside and he said, this will never happen to you. I think maybe underneath he was also saying, and it won't happen to me either. Maybe, maybe. I also wonder if maybe he was worried that Jesus was getting some sort of martyr complex mm-hmm. and like, hey, we need, to, we need to set this guy straight a little bit. That's not the plan, Jesus. He got his biggest rebuke he's ever, Jesus Ouch. has ever given to oh, yeah. anybody. Oh, yeah. Hardest rebuke. Get behind me, Satan. Yep. And I... I don't believe that means Satan had entered Peter and was speaking through him or anything like that. No. But that Satan was going to use that concept of you don't have to be crucified. You don't have to die. What, you know, that, that you don't have to do that. You can just, you know, kill the Romans and become king or something. And that, that was a thought that Satan was trying to get out there. Mm -hmm. And Jesus was very firm to stand against that and say, no, he restores Peter right after that, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which, which is, which is nice, but. So when I look at the cross, I'm looking at Jesus and saying, thank you, Jesus. But I'm also saying, I need to take up my cross. He yep. took up his. And what do I do with my cross? I die on it. That's As the I, only thing a cross is for. Yes. That is the only thing a cross is for. Uh, uh, taking up your cross and following him isn't about having a ton of burdens or about carrying heavy stuff or any of that. There's only one purpose to a cross, and that is to die. Mm-hmm. You get up and you die. You die to yourself. As I've told you before, Nate, I wish I'd done that earlier in my marriage. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd known how to do it early on because I had expectations going into marriage of what it would be. And when it wasn't that, I took it out on Karen mm-hmm. rather than dying to myself. What really helped me was looking at Ephesians at Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So what did Christ do for his bride? He died. He he died. What do I do for my bride? Die. Now I do. Yeah. Then I didn't. And what do you mean when you say that? Just to clarify for folks. Die to myself. Die to my freedoms. Die to my rights. Mm -hmm. Die to what I think I deserve. Die to my feeling like I'm a victim. Mm -hmm. And serve my wife. Lay down my life. Jesus said... That, uh, oh, oh, come on. Greater love has no one? No, it's, it's, it's going low. Uh, oh, man. We go low. 
and we serve others. Oh, the Son of Man came not to be, be served, served but, to serve. but to serve and to give his life ransoms for many. And so I am here to serve others. I'm not here to declare how wonderful I am, but I'm here to go low and serve other people and show them that they're important. And it starts at home. It has to start at home. It's got to. And so... I, when I look at that cross mm-hmm. in my study, I thank Jesus for what he did. And I say, give me grace today to take up my cross so that I can die to myself, die to my freedoms, die to my hopes, die to my dreams, and live for others. That's great. And I think that's why pretty much every Christian church throughout history has had a big old cross in it mm-hmm. up front to remind us. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, a cross with Jesus on it still, being crucified. Um, I joked about that being a Catholic thing at the beginning, a crucifix, but um, in many parts of the world, it's just a Christian thing. It's not Mm -hmm. exclusively a Catholic thing. Um, I remember the first time my son Andrew saw one. Mm -hmm. We were in Japan. Um, Steve and Betty had come out. They grew up as missionaries in Japan, so we were um, living there when Sarah was in the Air Force, and we were going on a tour of all the places where Sarah had grown up as a missionary kid. So my son is there with his mom at all the places she grew up when she was his age and older. And we saw a big old crucifix on the wall of one of these churches. And Andrew looked at it and he said, is that Jesus? And Mm. I said, yes, that's Jesus. That's when he was on the cross. And he's like, what happened? And he had known the story, but he's three, you know, Mm. so he's, he doesn't really get it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I explained the, the, the crucifixion and resurrection. And then he's like, but, but how did Jesus die though? You know? So I tried to explain as much as you can to a three-year-old about crucifixion. And he's like, no, but how did he die? And I explained it again. Now I'm on a tour right now by Japanese people and I'm trying to be really polite and bow and listen. And my three-year-old is asking me all these questions. So I'm really challenged in this moment. Wow. Trying hard to be a good dad, but also be a good son-in-law and be polite and not shame my in-laws who are there, you know, with these people they respect. But I feel like it was the Holy Spirit gave me a little tap on the shoulder. He's like, this is an important moment, Nate. Don't screw this one up. Okay. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I won't. I won't. And so finally I, I was like, what do you mean, Andrew? What do you, I don't understand the question. And he said, how could Jesus die? Jesus is God. So, so how could he die? So he was very confused and concerned. A three-year-old? Three-year-old. He saw Jesus on the cross and he's really concerned. What happened? Wait a minute. I thought this was our guy. I thought, what? Like, he's the guy. We sing to him. We pray to him. We've told me about him forever. And yes, I, he's always known that he died and blah, blah, blah. But now he's three and he's seeing it and he realizes this is something else. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even fully understand what death is, but he understands it's an end and it shouldn't be possible for God. <laughs> and so then I said, oh, okay, okay. And I think that's a good question. How could that have happened. And the answer is that Jesus allowed it to happen. Mm-hmm. He says, no, no, no one had authority over his life. He laid it down. So it's not wrong to say he was murdered by the Romans, but it's probably more accurate to say he allowed himself to be sacrificed. He volunteered to be sacrificed. And I tried to explain that to him and that didn't fully satisfy his three-year-old brain. <laughs> He's sort of like, well, why though? For us. Okay. And he, he accepted that my dad probably understands this better than me, but, uh, but his big concern was how could it be possible? Way to take the time though, Nate. Good you didn't pass it by. It was, it was a big moment and I felt like it was important and fairly deep questions, I thought, for a three-year-old. Oh my. Wait a minute. Um, he also then suggested that perhaps Iron Man could have helped him off the cross. 
mm. uh, which proved that he was three years old. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that wasn't the problem. The problem was that he couldn't get down. He wasn't defeated. He allowed himself to be sacrificed. The cross is, is really important. And whatever age we were when we under, started to understand this stuff, whether we were three or I don't know how old I was when it happened. Maybe for you, it hasn't happened yet. And you're listening to this stuff and you don't get it. Your God died. That doesn't sound like a God I want to follow. I don't understand any of this. That's what Paul said. He said, the cross is, the f- is foolishness to the world. To people who aren't saved, the cross is ridiculous. But it's the glory of God for those of us who are being saved. For those of us who understand what the cross is about, it is the most glorious thing that ever happened. Hmm. So why is that, Paul? Why is it so glorious? Why is it so amazing? Yeah. Because, it, because to the world, to just looking at it, it sounds ridiculous. It sounds foolish. Why are you celebrating this guy who died? I think we have to separate God and the Son of God. Mm-hmm. Because God is eternal. Mm-hmm. God is omniscient, omnipresent, uh, all, all everywhere. And God doesn't die. But Jesus, the Son of God, who took on flesh, the Son of God, died. And humanity sinned. Therefore, humanity had to pay. Mm-hmm. And the wages, the Bible says that the wages, what we pay for our sin is death. Someone had to die, but it had to be a righteous person, just like the lamb had to be a perfect lamb. Mm-hmm. They couldn't just get any old lamb with a broken leg and offer that up because it's, uh, it, it wasn't sufficient. It had to cost them something. And so we, humanity, had to die, had to pay for a sin, but then we're separated from God. Mm-hmm. So there had to be a sacrifice made by humanity, but in order to bring us salvation, it had to come from outside. And that's where Jesus came in, the mm-hmm. Son of God, who took on flesh and agreed to be the sacrifice. Pretty amazing. So the Son of God became the Son of Man mm-hmm. simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And he paid that debt. Mm. For our sin. And uh, that's all the sin of everybody who's ever lived. Yes. Not just those who repent and become Christian, but the sin of the world. He, 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 what, what did the verse said you read last time? He reconciled all things to himself. Mm-hmm. Now, sadly, though he offers that salvation now as a gift to everyone, sadly, there are some who don't receive that gift still. Yes. And I'm not a, in a great position to really judge that or talk about it because I've always been a Christian. I've, I've been saved probably since the womb, for all I know. I mean, I don't, I, don't, no, I don't ever remember a day away from the Lord. So I don't have one of those. I was apart from the Lord for many years and then became a Christian. I, I can't understand what the difference is like. So I can't fathom why someone would say no <laughs> to the gift of salvation. It makes no sense to me. I don't understand it. Um, if someone offers you a free car, you say thank you. You know, if someone offers, if you're in jail and someone says, I'd like to bail you out, you say thank you. I don't get um, why people would say no. And I find it really, really sad that some do, many do, presume that God finds it very sad too, because he came to save the whole world. Jesus came to reconcile everyone. And it's his desire himself. that all be yeah, saved. Yeah, it says that. It is, it is his desire that all be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, but not all are. Mm-hmm. Because, because many say no, um, which is sad. But for those who do accept, I'm not, you got to be careful of words here because people can get and do a lot of theological debates about this kind of stuff. And we're trying not to go there. Um, I'm not calling this a decision. I'm saying for those who submit to 
to receiving the gift of salvation. I, I consider it a submission. It's a going on your knees and saying, yes, I will receive this. It's not an act um, or a work or whatever you want to call it, because it's all God's grace. He's done all the work. He's just handing it to you and you reach out your hand and receive it. You reach out your hand and let him put it in your hand, whatever metaphor you want to use. Um, we don't earn our way to God. We, we never could. That's why Jesus had to come. He had to come because we couldn't earn our way. And now he adopts us into his family because he's made a way. He's, that separation doesn't exist anymore. Under the old covenant, we were separated because of sin, and that's what happened to Jesus on the cross. But now in the new covenant, there is no separation because our sins are already gone. They're already covered. And there's never a separation again. Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation could ever separate us again from the love of God. And so that's an incredible thing. But it goes farther. So not only are we set free from the punishment of sin, but it goes farther in that now we're loved by God no matter what and no longer separated from him in relationship. But then it goes farther and he adopts us into his family, mm -hmm. It's which is crazy. You don't adopt the criminals, <laughs> but he does. And then it goes even farther and he makes us an heir, a joint heir with Jesus himself, the one who died for us and made a way for all this. So this is, the cross is really extreme. I mean, it is it is extreme. It's crazy. It's, it's unbelievably wonderful. Yes. Um, and it's a lot, I think it's a lot to really fully believe, even for Christians. I think Christians are able to believe that first part. Mm -hmm. The debt is paid. Mm -hmm. The wrath is paid. Punishment is paid. And I get out of jail. And I think most of them will say, and, and that means I get to go to heaven too. But I, I dare say, at least in my experience, that very few go the next step to say, and that means I'm also loved unconditionally and no longer separated from God. And I can approach the throne of grace with boldness. And we're going to talk about some of these things next week. Um, there's healing in the cross. There's um, relief from sorrow and grief, it says in the word of God. There's mm -hmm. so many things in the cross. And then it goes even farther and God adopts us as his own kids. A lot of Christians, I don't think ever get to that place, even though it's there for them. They don't think of themselves as heirs of Jesus Christ, as princes and princesses. You're right. Daughters and sons of the King of yeah. Kings. And I think that is also sad. Not as sad as people who say no, period, and don't accept the free gift. That's the most sad thing mm -hmm. that I can think of in the world. Mm -hmm. But also really sad is people who are in and they, they have received what most of what the cross offers, but they, for some reason, don't receive the rest and they don't walk in to the destiny that God intended for them on the cross by being his princes and princesses in this world of being his ambassadors. And I wish more of us got that and grabbed a hold of it because that's, that's what the cross is for. And I, I dare say that the reason we don't is because we have to do that other thing Jesus said, which you were talking about earlier, mm. which is to take up our own cross mm -hmm. and follow after. Because mm -hmm. before we can be the prince or princess, we have to finish dying. Mm -hmm. And people don't like to do that. Oh. I think we like to have our cake and eat it too. We want to be saved, but still selfish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. But we're forgetting a lot of things if we do that. Like we're forgetting baptism. We're forgetting that the whole point of the crucifixion is we were crucified with Christ. Yes. But let's talk about that next time because I don't want to go too late. Okay. So come back next time. We're going to finish this discussion and talk about what the cross means for me today. 
How am I changed today and tomorrow because of the cross of Jesus Christ? See you next week. That is it for this episode of Things Christians Want to Know. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to questions at tcwkcast.com. We publish every Thursday, so tell your friends and please rate us on iTunes. That's really helpful for us. Additional information, including links to Nate's blog, Paul's blog, etc., can be found on tcwkcast.com. God bless.